Hi, I'm Shari De Silva, curator of the Jeffrey Bauer Art and Archival Collections at the Lunaganga Trust. This podcast is part of the Bauer 100 program, a celebration of the architect's 100th birthday. Jeffrey Bauer was famously silent about his work. There are only a handful of records where he opens up about his influences, routines, and practice. He also rarely saved material like correspondence or sketches, which often form the core parts of an archive. The Oral Histories Project tries to fill this void by collecting the memories, stories, and experiences of Bawa's friends, clients, and colleagues. Thank you for tuning in. Today we have photographer Dominic Sansoni on the program. Dominic named Jeffrey Bauer from a very early age, as his mother, artist and textile designer Barbara Sansoni, was a close friend and collaborator of Jeffrey's. I met Dominic at his office at Barefoot in Colombo. Barefoot was founded by Barbara Sansoni in the 60s and has since grown into a store that houses a range of colourful products, an art gallery and bookshop. Dominic spends much of his time adding to and cataloguing his extensive archive of work, spanning the last 40 years in Sri Lanka, India, Mauritius, the Maldives, Nepal, Yemen, and others. In this episode, Dominic discusses, often in amusing detail, his collaboration with Swiss architect Christoph Bonn on the publication Lunaganga, a book which documents and explores Bauer's garden at Benthata which was first released in 1990. It was Christoph Bonn, along with Joe Chamberlain and Jeffrey Powell, who were responsible for the design of the Barbican Arts Centre in London. Dominic also talks about the joy of revisiting Lunaganga over the past three decades, and on his recent installation for The Gift, as part of the Bauer 100 programme, a celebration of Jeffrey's centennial birth anniversary. Oh, well, it is now. Yeah. She'd um, forgotten to turn it on. Yeah. Did that once before. Um, okay. So, what is your first memory of Jeffrey Bauer? I think he would, he's, you know, he would have known me, I guess, since I was a baby. I guess just someone who came up, came home, you know, someone who came home. Uh, and then there was always that very strong connection with Michael Mack later on. Uh, and it's good to remember that Michael, Michael's my uncle. So there's a family connection. But Michael commissioned uh, Neptune, Triton, Kandra. Yeah, but, but Jeffrey, Jeffrey, tall, always well dressed, always a nice car. Very good advice on how to buy a car, choose a car. Always choose a car with, uh, he says, large wheels. <laughs> And if they're at the four corners of the cards, it's a good thing. Uh, very sensible, yeah. Um, storytelling. Dinners, lunchtimes, people around the table. And it was quite an extraordinary... I mean, I was very fortunate. It was our YouTube, our Instagram, our social media. Uh, I think Jeffrey would have loved social media. He would have had a... You should, you should run a fake... Instagram account in Jeffrey's name. He was an extraordinarily good story. And when he started telling stories, his voice would drop. 
So everyone stopped talking to listen to his stories around the table. And it was very amusing, very, very, very funny. Can I ask what role Lunuganga played in those early years? Yes, I've been to Lunuganga. I left for England in 73. Of course, I've been to Lunuganga quite a few times before that. Lunuganga was very private. Lunuganga was Jeffrey's place. To contact Lunuganga, usually phoned the Serendip Hotel, where I think someone got on a motorbike, hopefully, if not walked to Lunuganga to give Jeffrey a message and come back. And I think there's a good account in the visitor's book of, I think my mother was often turning up unannounced, of him making sure that didn't happen. But Lunuganga was very private. It was uh, Jeffrey, I think, would have hated more than four people or six people for dinner. Probably one easier to handle. But then I think it was 1976 I came back, or 77. First time I just started being interested in photography. I'd just been enrolled, or yeah, I'd been enrolled into those do a diploma in photography. And I remember going there to take pictures. Uh, what was very exciting to me is I just happened, my father gave me an M3 with two lenses may sound like an extravagance. I don't think he knew what he was buying. It was time when I think someone must have been. So I ended up with a lovely Leica. But Jeffrey had, a, I think it's a 20 or a 21 millimeter lens, a very wide angle lens. So that was tempting. Jeffrey says he bought that lens because he never had to focus on anything. He just set it on infinity and everything was sharp. And Jeffrey took very beautiful pictures. Who replacement of beautiful pictures. It may be interesting to see you know, who, who, who was taking photographs. It doesn't matter. They were taking beautiful photographs in black and white, of course. So I remember those first few pictures at Lunuganga. I think very sadly I lost, there was a little, I think there were two negative files I lost in a flood in Colombo years ago. And I think those are some of those negatives. But I do have some scans from them. Yes, we have some prints. Christoph was amazing. They were very clear about what they wanted to do, or, and Jeffrey was very clear, that they had a book called, which I think was called The English Garden, which is a sort of classic. I can't remember if it was, I think it was in black and white. I'm not sure. But beautifully printed, that si it's the same size and proportion as Lungang was based on that. But to work with Christoph was extraordinary. Just what a terribly sweet man, a gentleman, a gentle man, a, a fine person. I was, what's, I was always sort of, there was a slight pang of jealousy within me, deep down. I mean, let's make our confession. Christoph had lovely Leica cameras and the most beautiful lenses. And quite simply, I was jealous, <laughs> really, really nice. Uh, he shot everything on, uh, on an Ilford film. I was still, I think, I was looking at some of the negatives the other day, and we were still, you'd go and buy a roll of trikes, or you'd go and buy this, but you also used to buy a film in something called bulk cam, because it was cheaper, and you load your own cassettes up in the dark, and uh, a lot of that was what I was shooting on. But what was 
I was processing all my own film. I'd stopped doing any printing. I never, I don't think I've made a single print since I came back from England in 1979. I don't think I've been amazingly in a traditional darkroom since that time. But I was processing my film. And then contact sheets. Everything then went to Christoph, who organized the printing. And it's amazing. So Christoph would arrive, we'd go and take photographs. Films were processed, contact sheets made. Christoph goes back to England. We'll produce a beautiful box of prints. And it was even variations of the same print. So you could see high contrast or a low contrast or whatever. I think, I'm not sure if I imagine it or if I even make it up. I think Jeffrey once said that he saw it as in, in tones, if you looked at it as in tonality. And that's always been interesting. I, I still carry that, I was going to say I carry that baggage with me. Because years later I had to photograph it in colour. And that was quite difficult. It was a complete change. It was difficult. I mean, I still prefer to go down there and you sort of do that click in your eyes and you see in black and white. Having said that, uh, it's all lies, of course, because what I just did for the gift is all in colour. But back then you had to commit with the film that it would be black and white. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Shot in black and white and that was it. Now we shoot digitally and it could be colour or black and white. Made that commitment. But it is a wonderful experience to work with that. Uh, Christoph was precise. And he was an architect, no? Christoph was an architect, yes. Responsible with Jean's husband. Can't remember what his first name, Change, Chamberlain, Bond, for his uh, building the Barbican. And lovely to show Jeffrey <laughs> that sort of, we had to go and make the presentation to Jeffrey, Boxer Quince. And he'd look at the print, Jeffrey was smoking. And usually, as you showed the print, there was a sort of few waited for. Just before it got too embarrassing, they told me to show another print. Because usually it was silence. <laughs> Long, loud silence. And then occasionally there was a nod. See, that one's rather nice, or whatever. The other amazing thing, and my God, I had to look at some of those pictures recently. So I had to be very careful, because to be honest, I'd forgotten which ones were mine and which ones were Christoph. I've always taken credit for all the best photographs I say are mine, immediately. In fact, there's one double page spread in Nunganda, which I really wish was mine. <laughs> I'm sure it is, I must go and double check. But it was interesting to look at it carefully, so it's lovely to let go. You know, it no longer, well, that's my one. I took this one, it didn't really matter. Um, but for the gift, again, I was looking into some of those things from the past, so I'd be very careful about uh, making sure I wasn't stealing Christoph's pictures. But Lunaganda was very special. Lovely to see a mention of it just recently in a, someone writing in a magazine about saying it was one of his top ten books on uh, gardens. Because the book really does capture the garden, which is an amazing feat. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else about um, what Jeffrey wanted as part of the garden, what you and Christoph felt? 
How is it such an almost seemingly impossible thing? I don't think I was very involved with the layout. Not I don't think, I know I wasn't. That was Christoph's doing. I mean, Christoph brought sensibility. But that book allows you to read a garden. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it taught me a lesson. But when I do photograph buildings or places, I try and make sure that if someone wanted to, they could read their way through the building. And what about Jean? She, Jean, Jean was Jean. I don't think, I'm not sure if she was taking pictures out or whatever, but she said, oh my gosh, that is lovely, or it's nice, or... And my gosh, they founded that book. It was their, their present to Jeffrey. Because having worked with Didier and a man called Charles Orwin, who wrote the contracts for Didier, Charles, we love you dearly, and we've all wished that you wrote contracts for us as well. The best contracts ever. Uh, <laughs> so where to get this thing printed? And then we went to Singapore. I think they could have done a better job on the printing. But you know, re-looking at it, it's okay. It's, it's all right. Imperfections are, are good. It takes that slightly over-polished gloss out of things. And on a side note, did Jeffrey develop? He didn't have a dark room, did he? With his photo. I think there was a dark room at number 11, wasn't there? I think there was a little dark room right at the end, right at the far end. I'm not sure. Maybe again, pure imagination on my part. I can't really see Jeffrey processing his own film. It's a task, isn't it? No. That long, eight and a half minutes in the dark without a cigarette wouldn't have worked. No. Why am I imagining a dark room, though? Anyway. We can just make it all up now for the future, yeah. You've known Nikanga for 40 odd years. Some terrifying length of time. Yeah. <laughs> so what is it like to return to the I love going back. It's extraordinary. Well, but, okay, I'm just speaking for myself. There are two things that happen. You go off to a new place. And then it's the excitement. My God, you haven't tasted that food. You haven't seen that thing. It's... It's a surprise, you're excited, you're, you know, it, it's, it's wonderful. And then you go back, or sometimes you go back, so now, you know, not that the excitement is gone, but maybe it gives you a chance to, and let's not get too intellectual about this, but to look, um, go and look at things maybe a little bit more quietly. And I'm very fond of going back to Vietnam. I went back there after I had a stent. It's the first time, I think, after my three weeks of quarantine. Quarantine is a very current word. <laughs> it wasn't a virus, it was a stent. The doctor said, stay close to the hospital. And I took two friends visiting from America there. And I was told that I had to walk every day. So we arrived and I set off on my walk. And I took one of my favorite photographs that day, down by the lake. Yeah. So that was nice for me. For I usually keep it close by. There's one of my favorite pictures of Mungans, which is to do with nothing. I'll, I'll find it for you. It's just a bricks on the ground. Um, 
and this one is not really haunted. But has Lin Ganga taught you, or have you taken other things about space and place that you've taken out of? Oh, I think definitely. I mean, whether you like, but I like it or not, you can't help but be with affected, influenced, whatever. I don't think if you, you even need to be conscious that that is happening. Yeah. You know, whether you like it or not, you take that away with you. I hope you could take that away with you. Yeah. Gosh, I've never been bored there. You know, it's... Uh, no, it's, I think it's been a very special sort of... It, it's... Uh, but a place I fly back to you know, every moment to go and have another look. And could we talk a little bit about the work you just did for the gift? And what was incredible was that you did find something totally. You first decided on those portraits, which I did. And then I went back to do the portraits again. And you know what? I just didn't see a portrait. I just stopped. I couldn't tell everyone to say, now, can you please take your uniform T-shirts off? It's not. That day was right, I was kind of right the day I went. So that was done. Doesn't mean I won't do more in the future. And I really didn't know what I was going to photograph. I honestly had no idea. And then I know exactly how I was walking and then I saw some shadow or something on the wall, or a line of ants or something and got interested. I'm afraid I just got a little bit, I was going to say hooked or discover that you, I didn't need to walk very far to take pictures. I could. In fact, if anyone did a sort of, maybe we can do that for fun, that we can do a, in what radius it was done. Uh, it might be embarrassingly small. And just started looking at that garden in detail, which I hadn't done. I mean, I later, subsequently, had come back and was looking just by chance at some earlier photographs. This is where I think people read too much into things. Yes, I'd photograph some details and, you know, so it's not like, oh, my God, he picked it up after 25 years and was now going to tell it It was just something I started seeing. And then I got totally hooked because it was very beautiful. And I didn't really know or understand what I was looking at. I sometimes didn't know if I was looking at moss plant or an animal or whatever this thing. So then someone said, no, those are called symbiotic organisms. I was thrilled. <laughs> you know? And they're very beautiful and they're there. And you were witness to how I can't even find what I photographed. <laughs> so, <laughs> but you saw that. It was tiny. They've changed. We, we yeah. don't know how quickly they're... I mean, I'm, I'm not a, what you call a botanic or a macro photographer. Right. In fact, if you saw the very broken <laughs> lens I was working with, you, you'd be shocked. Um, but so it was, you just started looking at this stuff. Do you use those kind of macro lenses often? Well, I use, I have that macro lens, I've been using it non-stop. Lakshman Nataraj had lent me his lens some years ago. I never returned it to him. Then what you find with those macro lenses, they're exceptionally sharp. So you don't, I never used it for macro, but I was using it for portraits, I was using it for other stuff like that. It's a 60 millimeter lens. 
that lens actually eventually fell apart <laughs> with use. And um, I didn't, uh, I certainly didn't buy a new one. I got, I think Sebastian gave me his, here. I wait for donations of lenses and very cheap second-hand ones. Uh, I'm mean as hell when it comes to buying anything to do with equipment. But it's exceptional. But I hadn't really used it. Uh, no, I hadn't really used it as a macro lens. But do you feel, for me, there is some affinity with this work and then the island from the bath work that you did? Because land, because you have also done landscapes. Yeah. Well, I think the affinity is, it was very interesting for, at this table, there was a, when, I'm sorry we don't have one of the prints here, but we can look at them differently. I'll come back to the aerial thing, but Sivam turned up the other day, and I was just working on him, there was a box of the prints here. And Sivam being inventor, scientist, architect, first person who ever told me about 3D printing, mind running it. 200 miles an hour. He said, ah, oh, and please help me. These are, he saw them all as little computer algorithms. And he saw it as, this is how things work. If you look at this, if you notice this repetition, that's how it works for something else. And then he was also, also those other things, those patterns you get in everything, uh, beginning with an F. Thank you very much. Because there is that. Does that as well. Yeah. So I think also what happens is when you go up or you get further away, I mean, or you get very close, I think you start seeing I mean, those patterns might be much yeah. again. Sivan's uh, analysis of the whole thing was very interesting. He just saw programming. Good. <laughs> and at some level it is. Yeah. Right? It's, and he said, it is uh, told me I didn't understand what I'd done. Uh, I didn't know what it was. And this is what it really was. So I was very relieved. Yeah. I'd just love to talk about colour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure we've we've done a book on it. Yeah, given my mum, given uh, Barefoot, given... Not just that, I think, given all the wonderful people, they were just a bunch of friends. You know, if you knew, if you think they sat there talking about art and philosophy and... I can't just... It was just amusing stories. It was just fun. So there were all those different people. There was Lucky, there was Ina. Lucky I see a lot of, he taught me how to swim. There's Mandusri doing what he did with color. And there was my mum and everything that which I like to do not have is surrounded. And it was it's interesting to go back to color in that garden. But that, if you go and, well, what I was photographing to me was color. Yeah. <laughs> Just, even though uh, some it's, it's hardly any color. But, yeah. uh, I liked it. I mean, not uh, what was exciting for me is just something I hadn't looked at. Mm-hmm. Not some great discovery or some great... It was just fun. And it's out there. Uh, yeah. And I got to know the dog very well. <laughs> the dog was very amused to discover. I wish I knew that dog's name, the Renuganga dog. Yeah. Who needs to be played with? Who comes non-stop? And so he was, as I was at ground level a lot of the time, sweating profusely. He came and kept me company. Yeah. yeah it was good. We spoke a little bit about GB's relationship to photography. 
think it is very interesting that he photographed his own work as well as trying. Yes. And if there's anything you were able to share about that, if you ever saw him photographing his work, or if you ever spoke about it. I mean, I know he was quite reticent to speak about things. I, I can't really recall yeah. anything very particular about that. Yeah. I mean, that would just be side that wasn't there, I didn't hear it or I've forgotten about. But you're right, I mean, I mean, Jeffrey was interested in the photographing, the photography yeah, was something. Yeah. We have, you know, contacts that he's marked up when he wants to crop it. Yeah. And was he still taking photos when you, you know, the 80s and the 90s? I don't think so. No? No. And what do you think Matt did him most when he was designing a building? in his architecture. Oh, gosh, I'm on the spot. <laughs> you know, in a way, isn't... Uh, I'll be brave and say something which everyone can... I'll regret later. But, you know, if you take a lot of his work, isn't it just comfortable? It, like, seems normal? It seems like to do anything else would be... Mm -hmm. the most sensible and beautiful thing to do. He just had that magic of being able to do that. It was always, it's always interesting. Mm -hmm. It's very different. No, it is very interesting to see how different people are familiar with the world in different yeah. ways. Um, answer that question. <laughs> I mean, I hear a lot of analysis about it, or, mm -hmm. or I think sometimes Jeffrey did it because it just was going to look good. Yeah. I guess also, um, this is not new, but you've also photographed a lot of this work. Yeah. Um, what is it like to not just live in that room, the other? I mean, you go to number 11, you're into a small space. Lumbam is exactly the opposite. Um, Kandalam is something else. And I haven't been back there for a long time. I must go back to Kandalam. Yeah, it was so it, lovely. I mean, it was just lovely to photograph it easy to photograph them. You close your eyes and you take a picture. <laughs> and what do you think place or sight meant to you? Everything. Shari, you're really putting me on the spot here, trying to give you opinions on things. <laughs> uh, but if you take number 11, which is about exact, or you couldn't get in greater extremes on Dunukata, Number 11 works, no longer works differently. So, I mean, sight was obviously totally important. Lovely answers and solutions. I remember number 11 when Jeffrey was in the last house on the right. Vague memory of that, going down there with my mum. Uh, Jimmy Gunnewald was living in the house next to the one that is, then became the normal tenable house. So I would go and play with Vance contemporary in the world by Barbara would see Jeffrey. Wow. You're one of the first people who know, remembers it before it was awful houses. Yeah. yeah. Can you tell me more about it? You know, if you went back in time and you looked at it and discovered how old I was, I might have been two, in which it's total lies. I don't think it was. No. Check it, it out. It was the late 60s. Yeah, definitely. Of course I remember going there. Yeah. 
Is that something we we know? Visual. Really. We have no idea what it looked like until they were all four. We could find out who lived in the other three houses. Because there might be family albums there. Oh. Which may be worth... Wow, there must be a photograph. What a wonderful thing to try and find that. I mean, you can see in the structure places that are seen. Yes. Wow. Archives are so important. So is there anything about Jeffrey's practice or personality that surprised you over the years? I'm not sure about surprised, but what he certainly I was well aware of, no rubbish. You know, if, if I were to show Jeffrey some pictures, I did go and show some pictures, and if I had taken along a box of pictures, I might have run through it again at the last minute and pulled some out. And that's a great discipline. You need to sort of let's dust ourselves off before we let, let's just cut some of the frayed ends off. And that was very important uh, and wonderful. I mean, it continued that right through everything. Had attention to detail, a wonderful eye. And so did you show? Yeah, I would have occasionally gone along with a box of prints, yeah. Sure, definitely. I, would have done that. Uh, I know he would have definitely... I think I wanted to stuck in the visitor's book. Because I would have photographed he had gone back to England and I would have sent him some prints. Yeah. I was just very excited because to have anything like a 21mm lens was like, gosh. <laughs> And do you think he's in, interested in photography as a discipline? I mean, he's from the time where it was a new... Was a new well, he said that the Lionel went in front of him. Yeah, so he did. Definitely, yeah. I think so. Did Bailey's have had a wall of family pictures, still does. Uh, brief still does. But that he took? I don't think yeah. that was one of the photographer. I haven't heard that. I, I, I would. And did Sheffrey ever discuss, say, Barbara's or Lucky's or Ina's work? I mean, I know you, they were informal in the way they worked together, but if, did they ever then? Oh, I think. Did, was I witness to yeah. it? Did I hear it? Did I. I don't think so. But I was go very close to it. Because I would know if yeah. Barbara was doing something for either Burnt at the Beach, I remember mm -hmm. when they were working on that ceiling, or trying to work on those colours, or if she had to design and work on something that she did for Cumberland, or any of those places. I mean, it was... I was going to say it was something they took seriously. <laughs> <laughs> but they yeah. did. Yeah. You know, it was particular. I know it was it had been discussed, thought about... Jeffrey might have snorted with distaste or raised his eyebrows or even smiled. You know, was I there as third person in a conversation? I don't think so. But I've been there with Jeffrey and Lucky when that new talking about the neuro. Jeffrey was very upset. The, 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 
they didn't look at the mural. And the problem was that it looked too new. So I think Jeffrey planned to or did throw a cow down all over it. We're delighted now. Yeah, he'd be very happy now. It's just about like the faded Ivan Pierce's in the back room, which is just a, just a ghost of watercolors against by that pond. I know one of them is my mother, but they were, I mean, he's, they were very important to what Jeffrey did. Nina, she did Don't Forget the Sculpture, uh, never mind, yeah. The Fabric of Cloth. Lucky with everything he did. And Papa, I think, with everything she did too. I feel like they brought the, the color, but not just like chromatic, just yes. metaphorically into yeah. the work. They were also involved. You know, there's, there was the thing to do with cloth yeah. and to do with color, but also to do with you know, the drawings of architecture. Mm -hmm. Let's not forget Ismet. Let's not forget Anura. I mean, that, that, that whole group of very active people. Pharaoh's shocks, I think, very sensibly did go tracing the countryside to measure buildings. Oh, I think he far more sensibly stayed in Colombo. One of my earliest recollections of Anura was when he'd come home to see Ulrich, I guess, and was leaving in the evening. He was carrying, uh, I guess, a way of architectural drawings in one hand. So he got on his bicycle, uh, I was just learning to ride, and, he, and I was watching and he got on the bicycle and he took off holding the handlebar with just one hand. <laughs> and I thought, wow, that is amazing. You can actually get to a stage where you can start off with one hand on the handlebar. These gems of knowledge, <laughs> dear you. But also, I guess I forgot that you lived with Ulrich lived in your... Yes. Ulrich was so much fun. I was talking about, I remember exactly, 1960, the annex was finished. I can remember the moment I entered that building for the first time. And it was in the evening, and the, the staircase steps were painted white. But they had a grey semicircle, and in the, which you were supposed to step on. But in the dark, I thought that was a hole. So I stepped on the white and went upstairs. Uh, you should never have asked for this interview. Uh, it's okay. And Ulrich had a BKW Jeep, which is a two-cylinder Jeep. No, sorry, two-stroke Jeep, not two-cylinders. And the first garage was, in, is, was what? Is now a bedroom, or we turned into a bedroom. But my gosh, Ulrich was fun, he was active, he was great. And he then later had a Volkswagen Beetle with a convertible top, you know? So, uh, and I think Ulrich was very influential. Now, I'm going to say something, and if you look at the dates, I shouldn't say anything at all if you look at the years, because it just doesn't add up. I think Ulrich was very influential with the chapel in Bamba. I was just going Now, I, I can't even tell you why. I have no recollection of my mother doing the Stations of the Cross or the other thing in the arches. I have a total recollection of her making the statue of the Risen Christ, which was actually made in a garage on Bifonseca Road. But there, there are various rumors 
I think we need to fuel these stories as to who was the martyr for the reason Christ, yeah? This is the terracotta. The terracotta right. one. And so the, I think a mold, I, I can't remember the exact thing. I know the garage, it was Uncle Clinton and Auntie Sylvia's garage that she was working in. And that was made, and for somehow the one at Anson Road is, I think, a second cast? Oh, I guess she made the first, and then they would have made a mold from the first one. All right. I imagine that's one. Hanwell. Hanwell also. Hanwell. Do you have any memories of that? I have memories of Jeffrey over there. Yeah. A main memory of Jeffrey over there is nothing to do with buildings at all. Stuart Jeffrey walking next to. Now, that was someone who changed many lives here. A wonderful lady called Mother of Good Counsel, who was the mother provincial of the Good Shepherd Convent nuns, mm-hmm. who, as you know, was round and pink and rather small and wore a very wide brimmed hat. Ah, oh, there's a picture of her, I think, wearing that hat in the doorway of the Nazareth Chapel somewhere. I think I've seen it somewhere. Okay. But Jeffrey and MP, she's we called MP, they all refer to as MP, walking together was a wonderful sight. One <laughs> six foot six or six foot four. I won't mention it, but Mother Provincial a little bit shorter. Yeah. And she was amazing. You know, when she wanted to do something, she went out and And she was responsible for her Absolutely. Chapel. Yeah. St. Bridget's. And then it would have been St. Bridget's. What about St. Thomas's? Was the, do you think I don't know how are... that came about. Okay. No. Those are not Anglican. No. Anglicans, Catholics. St. Okay. Thomas is an Anglican. Of course. Goodness gracious me. Yeah. Some things cannot be edited out of this. No, yeah. <laughs> My ignorance will be on record. <laughs> no, I think she, for other reasons, for personal reasons, I think she's an, I think she was an amazing woman. She got Barbara going, but she seemed to have that knack of if she wanted something done, she went to, seemed to go out to look for the best person to do it. So buildings, she's going to go hold with Jeffrey. Uh, she was friends with my grandmother. So my grandmother had said, oh, why don't you ask my daughter to just come back for some art school or something, maybe she can help you. And that's how that happened. Barbara painted. Never woven inch in her life, I don't think. But I know it was all about rectilinear design. And it's very obvious things. You're just dealing with a warp and a weft. Uh, no curves, no circles, no roaches. And But then what became crucial to her is that when one colour crossed another, it should produce a fine colour. And you could never produce mud. So it becomes a bit complicated. You've got to work it out. You know, if you've got many colours in your warp, we have to be careful with the webs. So sometimes we will always try different webs. But you don't do something and then you start sort of uh, throwing everything in there in the hole. You, yeah. you, you were trying to get somewhere. But how do you get them? It is, it's really interesting. I mean, sit with Mari one day and take a look at the beginning of a piece of design and how you get there. 
it's and so are even our plain colors. Well, they should always all be two colors. The golden rule up there is we never have fabric that is one that the two same colors because then it dies. You have two colors going across, you try and get them to resonate a bit. And then that's why we, we're not according to Barbara, but we do it behind the back. We're not supposed to sell black. If we did purple, we'd close down uh, because uh, she closes down needle. But we don't let her go in there any longer. Well, and we recently put the trust, remember, we made, we rewove some. Yes. And I think it's incredible that you can still match. It is completely crazy. I think someone, uh, I think the dye company something fooled us a long time ago. Apparently, when you're working with textiles, I wish they'd told us, you're allowed to have 5% variation. <laughs> 5% is allowable. You can... We... Not me. I can't take any credit. I mean, Mithra and that team, Jeremy Martin, Sumina, the government yarn depot that used to be in Ratmalan, who dyed Egyptian cotton, but we dyed to ridiculous specification. It's ridiculous. Drives our accountant mad to understand that discover 30 kilos have been put aside and we're dying another 30 because it's shade off. And then you, the meter is always human eye, is it? I'm afraid it is. We occasionally, we've bought, I think on many occasions, we've bought ugly things, uh, electronic things with lights and scales and uh, even lighting and daylighting and all. I think for some, we don't use them. I must, yeah, lack of discipline. <laughs> but also, that is, yeah. And it's lovely is that, that, that looking at it yeah. runs all the way through. And it's lovely. There's a tabletop word, steel. There's a bit of satin wood, satin wood tabletop in something called the export packing room. Don't get ex excited. It's about the size of this room or smaller. I don't know how many meters of fabric have been measured and checked by Jagat. Everything has to go through Jagat's hands. Every single roll goes, every mouse goes through his hands before it's packed. And Jagat can stop things. He, he can say no. But that satin wood table is now, uh, to get romantic, it's the color of honey. And smooth as anything. So it's really lovely. Yes, but it's that we are, yeah. I was going to say obsessive, but it's what we have to be. Did Jeffrey, because he was very reticent about his use of colour, do you think he, was he interested in that? You know, there is, there is this magical thing with weaving. Do you think, or was he, was he interested in that process? I'm not sure if he was interested in the process, but you only have to look on the walls of his house. So it might be fabric, it might be a print, like you were talking about earlier, it might be a painting, it could be a Rolls Royce car. It might have a Rolls Royce car something. You know, if it didn't work, it didn't work. So no matter by artist statements, it's like the, I, I, I need to learn how to write them. Because if it doesn't taste good, no problem. Yeah. 
about the ingredients. Do you have a favorite place or a space all these well? I think it would be Lunidanka. But I was trying to think then where and that becomes a bit difficult. Because I'm afraid you're in that. Yeah. Shouldn't be tree and say that symbiotic organs are <laughs> No, it's no it's I was trying to think God, do I like it here? I've loved sitting on the terrace and I've watched those either eagles or whatever they're called catching bats at dusk. I've sat in that place that no one sits in, which overlooks the place with the well and the bell of jars. Is that what it's called? Yes. Yeah. And no one sits there. And that's very nice sometimes. All those places are nice for different reasons. So it's a bit of a cop-out for your answer, but... Did Jeffrey come up with those names, like the Field of Jaws? I don't very much. Do you think it came about for the book? That they had to name? Yeah. 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 If there are any questions that you wish you could have asked him. I'm not sure if it would like to have asked... I'm sure there are many which I'll think of as as soon as you walk out the door. But I'd love to have shared with Jeffrey today what you can... Now, don't scream and laugh and you can edit this all out. What you can do on Photoshop, which may sound ridiculous. One of the first times I saw Photoshop was when we were thinking of doing Lunagam and how to put it together. I remember there was an office near the Regal Cinema and we took Jeffrey there, to up there with the office. And none of us really knew what we were looking at. Tilak was showing us things like, guess what, you can change a, a font, which like Times Helvetica or Arial, or Times Roman or Helvetica. And yeah, we could see it. But I think we just didn't know how to... So what does that mean? We couldn't make the connection. And I think Jeffrey, is, as a photographer, as someone who's interested in a camera or an image... And Jeffrey would have to have photoshopped his always visitor's book, which is photoshopped from day one. As anyone who, who signed it, he didn't like, stuck something on top, you know. So cut and paste would have suited him well. I think Jeffrey would have been fascinated by the new phone, uh, the new cameras we use, which are these things we pretend are phones. On a completely different note. One of the nicest times I had with Jeffrey was by accident, either off the King's Road or somewhere around there. We found a model toy shop. No, it wasn't a it was a model shop. Now this is not for kids. This is for adults. It has working steam engines inside. But you know, with the steam engine, not electric run. It had the most amazing things, none of which I could really, you just looked at them and trembled with delight. Ships, tractors, and stuff. Jeffrey loved that place. Yeah. Uh, he loved toys. Like good music. You know, you should find his collection of records. Ah, I think slightly. Tell us, but we have. You've probably done it already. Just photograph the covers. Okay. 
What if it slips? But I think also we have probably what was there when he was sick. Because there's it's a Ooh, lot of, So we have I, some classical. You know, yeah, that's uh that his friend. The other thing is you must remember Jeffrey had a variety of friends. If you think they were he'd be very bored with uh, a lot of things. And there's that wonderful priest who trained the quiet St. Benedict's who kept Jim down his pocket and made this is for now social steer where you couldn't buy Francis, you can buy a ballpoint pen. You ask your parents. Mm. You can buy anything. But he made a loudspeaker. Jeffrey has, that's where those loudspeakers and I think in Lundana come from, called Pentator. Every room? Yeah, they all came from, I wish you could remember his name. Wonderful Jesuit priest, I think. So then made. Yeah, he was making amplifiers and stuff, because you couldn't buy them. But Jeffrey liked good music. And all kinds of music? I can remember playing Billy Nelson to him once, because Billy Nelson had done a takeoff on some of the old songs from the, like, the Great yeah. American Songbook. He actually liked it. <laughs> he did. We would like to thank the trustees of the Jeffrey Bauer Trust and our generous patrons and sponsors for the Bauer 100 program. This podcast is copyright to the Jeffrey Bauer Trust. All rights reserved. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at archive at jbtrust.net. We would love to hear from you. To find more resources on Jeffrey Bauer, attend our events or volunteer, you can visit our website or follow us on social media. Please hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember to leave us a review because this helps people find us more. Until next time, take care.